episode of those three dudes. I'm I'm Dave. I'm John. And we're back for another week. It is episode 108. This is this is starting to starting to blow up a little bit here, huh? We're getting there. We're getting there. I hope so. If only we can get some more people to come hang out with us. I mean our download <laughs> our our downloads increase Thank every you, baby. week. And they've increased every week pretty much ever since we started back in twenty twenty. So Good. Join our Discord. Come hang out with us. Yes. Report. Join our Discord. That that would be the the best. If we had more people jump on Discord and talk to us on a daily basis. Like, come hang out with us on Twitch so that way we can actually meet the requirements that Twitch requires of us. That'd be cool. So I have to I have to point out I have a brand new sticker on my mug. Y'all can uh, see that. That's uh, Fresh Coast Knives. Yep, Fresh Coast Knives. And I got brand new, beautiful. Jesus. Fresh Coast. Put your hand behind, Dan. It's a pretty sweet, sweet little knife. Yep, it's a black X or black. Oxided blade. Um, I can't remember what the. It's like. Uh, I can't remember the name of the wood. Looks good though. It is their. Uh, it's Sean's uh, EDC. Uh, style. And it's really cool. They also come with uh, Kydex sheaths too. And forged. Nice. Yeah. Check them out. They yeah. have a lot of really cool stuff. They got uh, they got hatchets and stuff up there too. I was looking at them earlier this week. Oh yeah, I, I Fresh was Coast send, knives. I don't know if Alec is on Instagram, but I was going to send him a picture of the hatchet because I know he was talking about uh, Jared's hatchets uh, from uh, Noble Knives and stuff, and <clears throat> and I was going to send him over to Sean uh, and. Have him check out those hatchets because I've never seen uh, Noble's uh, hatchets, so I have no idea what. I guess they're probably on his Instagram, aren't they? Yeah, I think. I so. think so. Yeah. Now, are you, uh, John? Are you friends with uh, Jared over there too? He's part of only the- on Facebook. Okay, I was going to say he's part of the cult, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> you, Chris, and Alex Colt. <laughs> uh, that's one thing we all have in common. Yeah. We belong to our cult. <laughs> our, our involvement in cults. <laughs> <laughs> and, to, oh. and to think, uh, I mean, <laughs> that's where Dave and I met. <laughs> And then I dragged Chris okay. into it. <laughs> yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, cults. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't speak much of it. No. <laughs> we just casually mentioned we were there. <laughs> we were there. <laughs> <laughs> and and thankfully, uh, uh, what is the 
Southern Poverty Law Center doesn't have our actual individual legal <laughs> government names or anything. No, they do not. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway. I don't even think the cartel has yours. No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> anyway. You hope. Anyways, anyways, moving <laughs> anyway. on, moving on. <laughs> so, uh, go figure. You know what? I have the nice typed up uh, show notes tonight instead of handwritten out, and I didn't put them anywhere where I could actually read them. Yeah, get get with get with the times, old man. Damn it! That reminds me, oh. Dave, yes, about sir. Ned Kelly last week. Yes, sir. Um, Mick Jagger played him in a movie. Oh no, shit! Really? Yeah. Yep. Back in the seventies or eighties. Oh, I have to check that out. Now, there's there's how- also a band called Ned Kelly. Um, that's supposed to supposedly somewhat decent, but I've never listened to him. So how many kids do you think, um, Mick Jagger had during the filming or he conceived during the filming of that movie? Um, enough. Enough. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So how about we get into some current events? Um, First one up on the docket. So, gas stove ban. So you have you can have my you can have my stove when you pry it from my cold dead hands, and they're not going to be cold because it's, it's downstairs going right now. There's nobody <laughs> even cooking anything. I just turn the eyes on and walk away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so, Consumer Product Safety Commission proposed a ban on gas stoves, claiming health risks such as. Uh, asthma and kids um the what was uh the commissioner was quoted as saying products that can't be made safe can be banned he then later clarified it would only apply to new appliances after he got after he had so many people including uh congress clowns like come down hard on him for uh, overstepping his authority. So, um, yeah. Apparently, forty percent of Americans use gas gas stoves. And we do. So do we here. Um, and yep. And they say that uh, oh, supposedly a very a very small minority of professional kitchens use gas stoves. Every kitchen know. I've ever worked in has had a, has has had a gas stove. I don't know a kitchen that doesn't have a gas stove. Hell, McDonald's has it's a gas, gas stove. Yeah, it's a gas stove with a with a what an iron plate over top of it. Yeah, their griddle is is still a gas stove directly. It's on because it. it's it's because it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Yep, yep. and it heats up faster. Yeah, all of your pizza, for the most part, with the exception of like, um, no, actually, all of your pizza places use gas stoves. Lincoln and Pinger, which makes almost every gas pizza oven in the country, is a gas stove. Yes. Yep. You know, I deliver to uh, what would be a restaurant supply company or a restaurant equipment company. 
I've never once seen an electric stove in that place. I don't think I've seen, I mean, yeah, no. I don't know many kitchens that don't use gas stoves. And, you know, the other thing I was thinking about is, okay, they were proposing banning gas stoves. Well, what about, uh, you know, furnaces, gas furnaces? Mm-hmm. The flames are technically open. Yep. So, are the gas furnaces circulating these same toxins that they claim cause childhood asthma, even though technically you need CO2 or basically, H2O for Basically, asthma? I feel like they're just trying to use it as a cover-up. Use it as a cover-up. <laughs> trying to use it as a cover I've got a little one oh. talking at me. Oh. Um, trying to use it as a cover-up for all the vaccine deaths. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. They were playing it off as 40% is a small percentage of Americans. Like, 40% is not that small of a percentage of Americans. I mean, anybody who knows how to... Anybody who actually likes to cook food uses a gas stove if they can. I mean, am I wrong? I was just reading Lenore's comments. This Finland has a lot of electric stoves because it's been cheaper, funnily enough. Um, up to until recent years, there were decades where we were the cheapest electricity out of most of the developed world, but that kind of went down the drain when our government went green and destroyed our, or destroyed our energy policy. Yeah, that's pretty much, we share the same sentiment, I promise. Yep. Yep. Ain't much different here. Yep. Uh, My wife will say for sure that, you know, gas stoves, there's a huge difference. Well, I mean, she also is pretty much a professional cook, but um, she she tells me the difference between using her, her parents' electric stove over our gas stove. So <laughs> she, she vents to me about it. So, um, moving on. CDC investigating link between vaccine and strokes. <laughs> but here's the kicker. They're only looking into Pfizer, uh, BioNTech's uh, was it, bivalent booster. And they're only concerned with Strokes in 65 and older within 20, the first 21 days of the vaccine. Well, of course. So they're not fixating on, you know, the thousand professional athlete deaths in it's one coming. year. It's coming. <laughs> no, it is coming. Even the best, the best, the best thing I read was from somebody. He was very pro vaccine. Uh, it was a Twitter post. He was super pro-vaccine up to it, and he was one of those that had been calling all of us conspiracy theorists for not getting it. And he came out um, on Twitter a couple days ago and said, "I, at this point, I really wish I was a conspiracy theorist um, because they all or all the conspiracy theorists didn't get the jab and they're still healthy while I have um, heart failure now." Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, it took him to get heart failure. But then you look at other other like. Uh, you know, look at Neil deGrasse Tyson. Fuck him. And he just 
he just like had a meltdown in a podcast interview earlier this week that's going viral on Twitter and stuff about like he just looks like an absolute moron. Saying, he is. Oh, the guy is the guy is a genius. He is a rocket scientist. We'll say that oh. much. But All right, well, let's, intelli- let's... intelligence is not always the same thing. <laughs> let's not get let's not get too far ahead or ahead of ourselves on that because the only PhD that he holds is in fucking um, philosophy. All right, he's not a fucking scientist. He is a doctor in philosophy. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I hate here, that man. I fucking hate that man. So, him and Bill Nye have things in common, then, huh? Yeah. Well, Bill Nye yep. doesn't. Bill, Bill Nye was open about not being an actual scientist. And he just did, he did that as a fucking children's show. <laughs> yeah, but he's still trying to pass himself off as a scientist, and he's not even... No, no, not a scientist, a science guy. A science guy. An engineer. An engineer yes. that used to work for Boeing. <laughs> yes. Until <laughs> his God acting career took over. And he's not a pompous jackass like fucking Neil deGrasse no. Tyson is. No, he is. I don't know, man. I don't you think have, on you the haven't same level. seen you haven't seen the same like vaccine uh, propaganda that Bill Nye has spouted. Hell, no, I haven't. Hell, I don't know if he's maybe he's died off because I haven't seen anything recent. From him. I haven't heard anything from him in fucking years. But last year he was calling us all jackasses. Oh, uh, was he? And everything That's else right. not taking the vaccine. So. He's also not a real scientist, so. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Forbes even says they don't think anything's going to come up because they're like I, CDC I has think, backed away from their recommendations of getting, I think it will, but it's all going to depend on how hard the Republicans push in the next two years to try to garner votes for their side. Um, I think if they feel like they're not getting a solid grasp or as many potential voters as they want, then they'll probably launch investigations into it. As you'd put it, virtue signaling, nothing will probably come of it on a legal level. Well, they've, they've already, they're already uh, investigating Fauci. Oh, I know they're investigating Fauci, but I mean, the vaccine, the vaccine as a whole, I feel like they'll start, uh, they'll start attacking just to try to bring, voters over to the to the right will it will it end in will it end in any sort of legal ramification no but will the push for vaccines stop probably i i I do i think that once enough comes out i think they'll stop pushing so hard i mean look at the, the army already has has um dropped a mandate for vaccines yeah a lot of your big companies have dropped them dropped the vaccine mandate but the thing with the thing with the army mandate though was is because it's taking our fighting force down. Of course. So they're dropping that because we're becoming weaker as a military. Well, and, it's not that's not one hundred percent because of the vaccine, but go on. Well yeah. I, <laughs> I know I know what you mean there too, but no, the vaccine is taking so many more I mean uh, I can't remember what the actual n- number is, but it was 
uh, double digits. I want to say it was close to 18%, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, and they weren't taking people in if you weren't vaccinated either. Yep. Yep. But they've dropped that mandate. The mm-hmm. Postal Service dropped it. Well, the Postal Service never honored the mandate. Nope. Uh, so they, right from the bat, they said, nope, we're not taking the jab. And they got away with it, just like Congress. Um, there was uh, some other federal agencies that I can't think of them offhand that that were voided of uh, the vaccine as well because they said, no, we're, we're not doing it. I'm surprised that the military got that far as to, to the point where they did finally fully mandate it. So, but, um, yeah, I I don't know, and actually, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if the midterm election was another test for you know a two thousand mules uh, situation yeah. for twenty twenty four. Yeah, um, I think they might look at how well their scam went in the midterms because. I can guarantee you that some fucky shit went went down with uh, the midterms as well. Oh, I guarantee it. And I think that, and nobody's called how overplayed it is because there's it's arrogance, no though. huh? It's arrogance though. They got away with it once. They're going to try it again and again and again. Yep, and they got away yep. with it this time too. And they think look, that... look at look at the Senate. They won an extra seat in the Senate. And the Republicans only have, they barely have a majority in the House. Mm-hmm. I mean, they only got nine seats in the House. So, yep. And it was just enough to throw them over, over the majority. So, yep. And there, I mean, there was supposed to be that big red wave, and all the polls were showing a big red wave coming. All of the pundits were, were saying that it was going to be you know, a bloodbath for the liberals and everything. Yep. And nothing came out. I mean, not that I'm Republican. Nothing yet. At at the same time. Nothing yet. I mean, hey, maybe 2024 will be the, will finally be the spark. Maybe. And we'll have, you know, we'll have uh, politicians tarred and feathered and hanging in trees. So. (laughs) Lamp posts. (laughs) <laughs> kicky, kicky thing. <laughs> anyway, wait, 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 wait. There it goes. <laughs> there it goes. Anyways, uh. anyways, I, I was, I was showing uh, for all of you on the, on the audio side of it, I was showing Dave how well I'm manicuring my hands. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on. So, you know, tr- there's special counsel now uh, assigned to uh, the Trump uh, classified documents case or whatever. And Even though they're still not really saying anything about what they may have found in uh Marlago, Mar- his place. Marlago, yeah, Marlago. Um, 
but then this comes out this past week. Uh, Biden, Biden attorney, his personal attorney, finds classified and marked top secret documents in a closet of Biden's old office. Um, apparently, the documents were from 2013 and 2016. Uh, and they are mostly intel memos and other and other uh, documents concerning to Iran, Ukraine, go figure, yep. and the United Kingdom mixed with family documents. Yeah, Dave, right. Dave, why would there be Ukrainian memos and documents mixed in with family uh, stuff? I don't know. <laughs> why? Why do you think? Could, couldn't it all be because Putin's right, right? <laughs> Was there any blank checks? Uh, I, I, memos and documents. Hey, that could be a lot of different things. Why would there be yep. why would there be blank checks? He would have already deposited all those. And those probably would be in his Swiss account or in his uh you know uh Caribbean accounts or wherever that uh the Cayman Islands or whatever. Um, and then, and then get this. So then Biden goes on to a press conference and verbally admits that he has kept classified documents in his garage sitting next to his Corvette. But hold on, hold on. His excuse is, well, I keep it locked in my garage. It's not like it's out on the streets or anything. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's locked in the garage. Lenore says that Russian media has been going crazy about this, by the way. <laughs> I'm not I'm not surprised because it couldn't at all be because Putin might be the good guy in all of this. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm not saying that Putin's a good guy and I'm well, oh, I'm definitely far, not, not saying I am definitely not saying that Zelensky is a good guy at all. I mean, he's a puppet either way. I'm <laughs> just saying in this particular instance, Putin <laughs> may not be as bad as we thought he was. I mean, this whole thing, I'm like, you know, Putin seems to be boiling down to being more of I mean, he's offered to come to the you know, come to the table and discuss terms twice now. And He's, Zelensky said no both times. Yeah, Zelensky has said no both times and is asking for more money. And, hey, U.S., you're not giving us enough money. We need more money. We yeah. know that you've already doubled Putin's whole defense fund in money that we've sent, that you've sent to us this year. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, so, now... It has also come out that Biden aides have reportedly found more classified documents in a second location, but this one they aren't disclosing. Yep, I guess there's a there's a committee that they're assembling for an investigation, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it would be a smart idea to impeach him right away and wait till close to the election. I... Otherwise, we're going to get stuck with uh, Kamala. So Kamala always on her back, Harris. I I think. Honestly, I feel like she's going to do more damage than anybody else. I I think that she's clueless. 
I think she's almost as clueless as he is. The thing Lenore, is, she the thing is, she doesn't have the power that he has. Lenore, we're not at all saying that Putin is a good guy. No. So Lenore said in the chat, as someone who has connections to these countries and speaks the language, Putin is not a good guy, but he's not stupid. U.S. involvement in post-Soviet countries has been very, very clear for years. And honestly, there's so much such shit going on. We are not, I want to make it very clear, we are not in any way, shape, or form saying that Putin is a good guy. We're just saying that in this instance, he may not be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we got two evils fighting it out. How about that? And, and, and one, tech, one of those and... one of those evils has way more money than the other, allegedly, has way more money than the other, and is pulling the strings. And Putin is doing his best to try to expose that. And the reason we're dumping so much money into this is because we're trying to hide that. Yep. Well, and I think we're also trying to hide the fact that, you know, a certain powerful family in this country has ties to some less than legal operations that are going on in the Mm -hmm. Ukraine as well. So sometimes, sometimes the villain is not always the villain. Yeah. And this is one of those times where I, I firmly believe that the villain is honestly not the villain. Yeah. And the way he's doing it is kind of villainous, but it's war. Sometimes though. you can only yeah, you can only fight evil with evil, and eventually the US is gonna have to pay for what um pay for their involvement in uh and I in this. And I mean one e- one side of the evil has been shelling their own country since what, two thousand eighteen? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've oh, already trust been me. in the Civil War. Trust me, Lenore, we're very well aware of the fact that there are many, many countries that the U.S. doesn't pay attention to <laughs> that hate said evil family. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the people are very, very well aware. <laughs> we are. <laughs> so, because- as, as you said, uh, DOJ has already appointed a special counsel for the Biden, case, for the Biden investigation now. Yeah. Nothing will come of it. No, because the DOJ is primarily a Democrat. So, yep. So I I'm not looking for anything anything legitimate to come out of it. Didn't happen when Hillary got caught sending classified information via personal email. It's not going to happen now. Nope. Yep. I mean, we're looking at a whole nother echelon of. I mean, hell. Look at the last president that actually that actually was looking at being charged with anything. And his his uh replacement uh pardoned him before yep. charges could actually be actually put down on him. His replacement also never got reelected after. But, yeah. And for any of you kiddies out there that don't know what I'm talking about, Nixon got yeah. pardoned by Ford. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite, uh, my favorite scene in any TV show ever was uh, that '70s show when Gerald Ford came to Point Place. 
Red Foreman got to ask a question and he was upset that he, he went off the script one. <laughs> but um uh what's it? well Eric decided to uh streak uh streak because he saw that uh Red was crashing and put on a Nixon mask, ran out naked, yelled wee wee pee pee and then ran away. And then Red's and like Red's like how the hell could you pardon Nixon? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I miss that show. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Netflix is bringing it back. Um, they're bringing back the 90s show with uh, all original cast, with the exception of um, Danny Masterson over his um, sexual assault stuff that I'm trying to he think. was found hide. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, apparently, he was accused of sexual assault by multiple people, which all turned out to be false, but um, they opted not to bring him back because of it. lesson to uh the today's youth don't don't ever get caught <laughs> especially yep. on the internet saying anything that you know in 20 years cancel culture can come after you for so. <clears throat> uh okay longer than 20 oh yeah oh yeah although i don't know if this country will last I don't know. I mean, it, it will, but it's going to be different. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, as some of the memes say, somebody's going to die if they come through my stuff. Somebody. Somebody. <laughs> going to die over a gas stove? Well, somebody is. <laughs> I I can't remember what my exact words were last. Last time I said, I think I said something about kid up. Uh, <laughs> shit, what was it? Kid up, uh, throw stocks on all of our pistols and light up the gas stove. <laughs> and yep. I won't go any farther just in case it incriminates. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on. Hey, Dave, what do you got today for Dave's history class? All right. So we're going to we're going to stick with the same time period, I think, for the next few episodes here. Just get this started here. The late 1800s were more than just bank robberies and gunfights. There was, of course, plenty of whiskey. And what pairs well with whiskey? That's right. Women. Pull up a bar stool, grab a glass as we continue our outlaw gentleman and shady lady segment with one of the most iconic women of the 1800s. Born February 17th, 1821 in Grange County, Sligo, I can't pronounce, somewhere in Ireland. Eliza Rosanna Gilbert, Countess of Lansfield, better known as Lola Montez, was a famous Irish dancer and actress who reached fame as a Spanish dancer, courtesan, and mistress of King Ludwig I of Bavaria. Born into a relatively normal family, her mother, Elizabeth Oliver, was the daughter of Charles Silver Oliver, a former high sheriff of Cork and a member of Parliament, and her father, Ensign Edward Gilbert, who served with the 25th Regiment, <clears throat> who were married in April of 1820. Many, many reports show that the pair were a fan of premarital handholding, as it said that Elizabeth was pregnant <laughs> with Lola at the time of her wedding. The young couple made residence in King's House in Boyle County, Roscommon, prior to journeying to India, March of the same year. Shortly after the family's arrival to India, Eliza's father died of cholera, 
and her mother, then 19, remarried Lieutenant Patrick Craigie the following year. Craigie came to care for Eliza, but soon became concerned with her half-wild ways. Her parents would fight, or finally agree that she would be sent back to Britain to attend school while staying with Craigie's father in Montrose, Scotland. According to... <clears throat> sorry, but the queer little Indian girl, as her grandfather was quoted, was a natural trouble, troublemaker... And she would often put, or she would often put flowers in the wig of an elderly man in church, and would run naked through the streets. At ten years old, she was moved again, this time to Sunderland, England, where her stepfather's older sister, Catherine Ray, had set up a boarding school. Eliza's determination and temper would become her trademarks. She would only stay in Sunderland for about a year before transferring to Camden Place, Bath, for a more formal education. In 1837, at 16 years old, Eliza eloped with Lieutenant Thomas James. And the two were married. They left England, presumably because of the terrible food, and headed back to India, only to discover that the food there was far worse. The marriage would last five years and ended in Calcutta, India, where she became a professional dancer under a stage name. In June of 1843, she had made her debut in London as Lola Montez, the Spanish dancer. And was almost immediately recognized as Mrs. James. This notoriety hampered her career in England, so she departed and headed back to Paris and Warsaw, where she had had previous success, um, where she would also or almost certainly accept favors from or many wealthy men and was regarded as a courtesan. In 1844, Eliza, now known only as Lola Montez, had made a personally disappointing Parisian stage debut as a dancer in Frontmental Helvey's opera Les Lazarones. It was there that she had met and had an affair with Franz Litt, or Fran Litz, who introduced her to the circle of George Sand. She spent or some time performing in various European capitals, but eventually settled in Paris and was accepted into the city's literary bohemia and became acquainted with Alexander, Alexander Dumas. It was rumored the two also had an affair. <clears throat> and while Bonds, Bonds Lerman never officially confirmed, it is believed the 2001 film Moulin Rouge is loosely based on Lola Montez. While in Paris, she had met Alexander Duharier, who was the owner of a newspaper with the highest circulation in France and was also the newspaper's drama critic. Lola used this opportunity to revitalize her career as a dancer. Lola and Duharier attended a party where Duharier had drunkly, drunkenly offended Jean Baptiste Rosemont de Beauvalon. He was challenged to a duel and was shot and killed. In 1846, Lola arrived in Munich, where she had been discovered as the mistress of King Ludwig I of Bavaria. It is rumored the two met when Ludwig asked publicly, "A hey, bitch, them titties real? Lola replied by, or by ripping enough clothing away to prove that they, in fact, were. Lola would use her influence on the king, this coupled, or use her influence on the king, this coupled with her arrogance and temper, made her extremely unpopular with the people of Bavaria especially after it was discovered she was attempting to become a Bavarian citizen, elevated to nobility. She was made Countess of Lansfeld by Ludwig on August 25th, 1847, and was given a large annuity. For more than a year, she held great political power, where she favored liberalism and anti-Catholicism and attacks on the Jesuits. Her influence over the king was so great, he dismissed a head of state when he, object, or when he objected to her being granted nationalism. And, the, and led him to shut down a university in Munich leading up to the revolution on 1848. In March of 1848, as the revolution, revolution grew, Ludwig reopened the university, abdicated in favor of his son, Maximilian I. 
Lola's career political puppet master had come to an end, and she fled, fled Bavaria to Switzerland, where she waited for Ludwig to join her. He never came. Lola made a brief trip to France, then headed back to London in late 1848, where she met and quickly married George Trafford Heald, a young Army cavalry officer with a great inherit or recent inheritance, but her divorce terms with Thomas James did not permit either to remarry while the other was living, and the two were forced to flee England to escape bigamy action brought on by Heald's aunt. The two lived in France and Spain, but their relationship was in tatters within two years, and in 1851, Lola was headed to the United States. From 1851 to 1853, Lola performed as a dancer and actress in the eastern U.S. with her play Lola Montez in Bavaria, and in May 1853, she arrived in San Francisco, where she quickly became a sensation, but soon inspired a satire titled, Who's Got to Countess? There she married yet again to Patrick Hulk in Moodergrass Valley, but... As uh, as you could probably tell by now, the marriage failed, and a doctor who was named as a correspondent in a divorce brought against her was found murdered shortly after. Lola remained in Grass Valley for two more years. Her restored property went on to become California Historical Landmark Number 292. It was there that Lola served as inspiration to another aspiring dancer, Lotta Crabtree. Lola provided dancing lessons and encouraged Lotta's enthusiasm for performance. In June 1855, Lola left the U.S. for Australia and resumed her career by entertaining miners at gold, or, uh, at gold diggings during the gold rush of the 1850s and arrived in Sydney in 1855. Historian Michael Cannon claims that in September of 1855, she performed, performed her erotic spider dance at the Royal Theatre in Melbourne, raising her skirt so high that the audience could see that she, or that she wore no underclothing at all. The next day, Argus thundered, that her performance was utterly subversive to all ideas of public morality. Respectable families ceased to attend a theater, which began to show heavy losses. She earned further notoriety in Ballarat, when after reading a bad review of her performance in the Ballarat Times, she attacked the editor Henry Seacamp with a whip. In 1856, she was rapturously encored for her spider dance in front of 400 gold miners and members of, the pu or members of public council at Castlemaine, but drew the wrath of the audience after insulting them after some minor heckling by the crowd. She headed back to San Francisco in May of 1856. On the return voyage, her manager was lost at sea after going overboard. Lola was unable to su successfully restart her career in the U.S. despite many attempts and spent her last days in rescue work among women. In November of 1859, the Philadelphia Press wrote that Lola Montez was living very quietly uptown. She doesn't have much to do with the world's people. Some of her old friends, the Bohemians, now and then drop in to have a little chat with her. And though she talks beautifully of her present feelings and way of life, she generally, by way of parentheses, takes out her little tobacco pouch and makes a cigarette or two for self and friend, and then falls back upon old times. With decided gusto and effect, she doesn't tell anybody what she's going to do. By 1860, Lola was showing the tertiary effects of syphilis, and her, begot, her body began to rest or waste away. She died in 1861 at age 39 and is buried in Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, New York. Lola Montez was the inspiration for many films and songs. One of my favorite being Lola Montez by the Danish, ba or Danish band Volbeat and even has a mountain, Mount Lola, in Sierra Nevada, named for her, presumably because it was the only monument large enough to pay homage to her big brass bosoms and securing her, her place in the Big Dick Hall of Fame. And that is the story of Lola Montez. <laughs>
well put. <laughs> I was I struggled with trying to find one for this week, and I was listening to Volbeat, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do Lola Montez this week. I think sounds good. I think and so. Dave, yeah, it's called Ballarat. Ballarat. That's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Okay. Ballarat. Because I think I I think I mispronounced that one last week too, didn't I? Possible. They always end up going to uh, Australia. Australia. I mean, so so far, two of two the 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 first two of my uh, of my segment series have been heavily in Australia. (laughs) So the 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 Volbeat song uh, speaks to her spider dance multiple times. Um, And it said, uh, uh, don't look in her eyes because you might fall and find the love of your life. Um, It talks about her, her seduction with the spider dance. Yeah. It's a good song. You guys should check it out. (laughs) Uh, So next up, John, what do you got on, got for us down under? And as as I've said before, Please don't show us the beach. <laughs> oh, that's not the only bush baby that's going to be in this episode. <laughs> I'll send you a photo in Signal. <laughs> gives, gives you will regret Chris, this. Gives Chris and Alex something to look at. <laughs> Okay, this is about uh, an Australian-designed, developed, and built machine gun in World War II called the Owen machine gun. Upside-down Tommy gun. Yes. (laughs) It was designed and developed in World War II. The gentleman's name was Evelyn. And it was a male, Owen, a young Australian inventor, and was intended to be a lightweight, portable alternative to heavy machine guns that were commonly in use at that time. One of the key features of the Owen gun was its unique action, which utilised a simple blowback mechanism that allowed a high rate of fire and minimal recoil. The gun was designed to be easily stripped and maintained, making it well suited for the harsh environment in the Pacific theatre, like Papua New Guinea, where stuff would rust within seconds. It was a compact, lightweight machine gun made of, um, you might also say, pipe steel. It was chambered in 9mm, and it had a 32-round magazine, when, and it was on top of the actual action so that they could lay on the ground and still be able to fire low to the ground. It was the only, well, to my research and knowledge, the only designed, built, and developed machine gun made in Australia in World War II. But another weird thing is, with the Australian laws now, firearms laws, 
the only way a private collector could have one of these is if it was locked behind perspex because the um, gun laws are so stupid. Okay, and that's that's it for me this week. And I am currently sharing screen, assuming that it works. Uh, it does not appear that it's working. Hang on. Yeah. I mean, it's sharing your desktop. It isn't. Oh, there we yeah, go. Yeah, it's oh. not sharing. Yeah, there it is. Okay. There we go. Yep. yep. I have an article on our Discord about this. <clears throat> It's a weird-looking firearm. Upside That's down all Tommy I can gun. Say. Upside down Tommy gun. Gravity feed. Yeah. Gravity feed. Let's see if I can share it. There. Okay. That's it there. As you can see, it is. It looks like it was made. Feed. Yeah. That's a the carbon thing... version of it too, isn't there? Um. No. Not to my knowledge. It was just a machine gun. Hmm. But, yeah, looks like it's made into someone's garage. Well, that'd be the second time on the show that we've had a, uh, we've had a feature about a gun that was made in a garage. Yeah. Honestly, you know, if gun laws go the way they're going, there's going to be a lot more of those. Yeah, that's now. I wonder. I'm I'm sure that they're probably super collectible. I mean, you could always get one here in the states now. I don't know. I'm gonna the truth. Because I'm sure there isn't that many left. I'm I'm just place. I'm just thinking that like if they actually like still have. If you if you got your, you know your uh, full <laughs> auto endorsement, you would actually be able to get one. Rock Island Arms has one. Really, lot three hundred three Australian International Arms Owen Mark One machine gun and nine millimeter Luger, rare original fully automatic class three World War Two. Um, let's see, estimated price was originally sixty five to ninety five hundred. The Settled upon price after apparently an auction was twenty eight thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's probably got to be up there. I figured I was thinking somewhere in the twenty five range. Yeah, twenty eight thousand dollars. Yep. <laughs> John, you live in the U.S. now. Get your class three. There you go. Um, there's apparently a place. Um. In Australia, let me see. Actually, this might be in Las Vegas. Yeah, battle, a place called Battlefield Vegas has oh, yeah. um, has one um, that you can shoot twenty five rounds for fifty five bucks or fifty rounds for ninety five dollars. Hmm. Interesting. And they they have one on their shelf. John, Let's you want to shoot one? That isn't that far away from you, is it? Uh, a day's drive. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. 
I'm just reading the Rock Island um uh Rock Island auction. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, another one. Restricted. There's another one currently up for auction on auction.morpheauctions.com. Uh this one closed. Okay, so this one sold in 2019 uh for $13,200. Oh, sorry, no. Minimum bid was 5,000. Uh it was $13,200 in final prices including buyer's premium. There was one in IMA-USA. They converted it to 22. Why would you do that? Yeah. So they just completely killed the value of it. No. Oh, hang on. I must be reading wrong. No, it's a nine mil. Went for... Uh, doesn't say. Oh, it's sold out. Yeah. How the hell can serial number seven thousand six hundred ninety six six? Damn. Well, I will jump into my segment. Let's um, do it. So, I know Lenore wanted to know. Um, Lenore, are you still here? This segment specifically for you. It it is, but she wanted to know like different herbs that we have here in the states for medicinal purposes that are different from where she's from. And the problem is, truthfully, there really isn't. There's like ninety nine percent of medicinal herbs are found, you know, worldwide. I mean. It, Climate difference would probably be the only, and she said Northern Europe, so that'd probably be something closer to like a zone three, zone three-ish U.S. And, I mean, there's, you'd still have the same stuff. I mean, it's pretty much the same stuff. I mean, most medicinal-used herbs were used primarily the ones that we know of most are, were known in Europe and Asia already as well. So, and they were brought over. If they weren't native here, they were brought over by you know settlers back in the earlier centuries and stuff. So, and have just taken root. So, here's five easy and essential herbs uh, to grow here the U.S. Um, for medicinal purposes. Uh, and when I say easy, I mean some of these, you plant them in the ground and you really have to be careful where you plant them because you'll have a yard full of them and, and sometimes as little as five years. So uh, so number one, uh, one of my favorites is comfrey. It's used, I use it a lot on inflammation, uh, mostly on my knees because I'm getting old, my shoulders. <laughs> so, in comfrey, uh, uh, it's good for inflammation, it's a pain reliever, um, it uh, helps with 
called Skin Problems. Um, I can't read my own writing. Uh, and it's also used on injuries, especially bone, muscle, uh, tissue injuries. Uh, one of the nice things about Comfrey is it is really easy to propagate. All you have to do is get a clipping of the root or the rind zone for it. And honestly, supposedly Comfrey is supposed to grow up everywhere out in the wild. Honestly, until I had a comfrey plant that I had purchased and planted and watched it grow, I've still only seen it in the wild twice. And supposedly it's all over the state of Michigan. I've only seen it twice. Um, it, it is, it, it's a nice plant. Um, I use it for, well, it's good for, uh, especially like um, healing small wounds and everything. You got to watch it when you have like deep wounds because it will cause your skin tissue to heal up too fast before infections are out of your body. So they don't recommend it for deep wounds. Um, although, you know, I was thinking about it and you might, I never mind. I'm not going to go with this recommendation. Somebody might actually take me up on it and then I'll get sued or something. <laughs> Luke, Luke is not advocating for you to put it in your butthole. <laughs> I am not. Um, my next one would be uh, peppermint. Um, peppermint is also a very easy one to grow. Um, actually, before I uh, move on to peppermint, though, comfrey, the comfrey that I started growing on my property, I ordered a chunk of it through the mail from a guy that was part of a part of a, not the same cult that Dave and I met on, but a different kind of cult um, <clears throat> that deals more with plants and stuff, sent me this thing, and it had one leaf on it, and the leaf was snapped off in the mail package and stuff. And I planted it thinking, oh, this thing isn't going to do anything. And before the end of the summer, we already had to completely chop it to the ground once because it had taken over the flower bed that we started it in. And now we have, I want to say, at least 15 of the plants around, various places around the property that we've moved it around to. Uh, and it's still coming up in the original flower bed still, and we keep chopping that to the ground. Um, my, next two, my next go-to, though, is uh, peppermint. It's good for upset stomachs, indigestion, uh, gallstones, uh, headaches, stress, irritable bowels, and also works as a stimulant or a relaxant. Uh, it's, it's funny like that because when you're tired, you can drink peppermint tea and it will wake you up. When you're awake and you want to, and your body physically needs to go to sleep, but it's too stimulated to go to sleep. If you drink the tea, it will relax your body. Um, that's the funny thing about it. Uh, as far as headaches and stress go, I take like the essential, like, excuse me, I'll take a uh, peppermint oil and I'll like, I'll open it up. And this mostly works with like sinus headaches. You just waft a little bit of, a little bit of the smell into your, into your face breathe it in a few times, a couple deep times, and a lot of times it will relieve that relieve that uh, pressure built up in my head and relieve the headache within minutes. 
is pretty amazing for that. Uh, next one would be Yarrow. I know Dave. Yeah, it's my here. favorite. Yarrow's my favorite. Uh, Yarrow's an anti-inflammatory. Uh, treats uh, diarrhea and uh, <clears throat> gas and cramps. Uh, you can make it into a tea or a, a tincture and use it for a cold and flu relief. And also helps uh, stop. It also is a a coagulant for sort of. It'll stop uh, minor wounds from bleeding. Yarrow's also really good for digestive and kidney issues as well. Yep. Uh, circulation as well because it it um it helps the fat um like the fatty cells in your liver too. So it's good for circulation. It's good for. Uh, kidneys. I mean, yarrow's all around. Probably one of the best herbs out there. It is. It is. By the way, Dave, uh, Victory has uh, white yarrow seeds available. Yes, yeah, so I don't want white though. I want red or yellow. Oh, I thought they had red too. The red was sold out last time I was on. Okay. Yeah. Um, Not that it makes a difference medicinally speaking. They're all yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, I just like the color red. <laughs> There, it, the color doesn't matter on it. So, um, and I should note, I should also note peppermint. Uh, a lot of the different, there's a lot of different mints. They do have differences. Um, so if you get a spearmint plant or a catnip plant or a lemon balm or anything like that, they're all mints, but they do also do some different things. They, they do have some crossover but peppermint's probably by far the most uh going to be general use one. Um, next up oh um with peppermint also and pretty much any mint all you need is a clipping of it um and that's that's how i started our mint farm here <laughs> um because it has taken over half of my yard so uh, next up, um, calendula or marigold is their common name. Uh, pot marigold is is probably the best one for it um, that I've noticed. But uh, calendula, it is an antibacterial, an anti-inflammatory, an anti-parasitic, uh, and also a painkiller for topical use. Um, it's good for bowel diseases. Uh, conjunctivitis or pink eye, which if you have kids, it's a really good one to have for that. Um, inflammation, uh, skin disorders, bug bites, and sunburns. Um, and if you get, uh, I recommend getting the perennial versions of Marigold. Pot, pot Marigold would be my favorite go-to for any of this. I know they you can get just like the cheap tiny, I can't remember what they're called, marigolds at, at most flower places that are just going to be uh, generally orange or yellow uh, blossoms. Pop marigold, um, I, you know, we've only, we only ever started out with like one pack of seeds for the pop marigold, and they have no specific color other than somewhere in the yellow spectrum. Because they pop up in every shade of yellow and every shade of orange. I've never seen a marigold that wasn't yellow or orange. <laughs> exactly. But 
you can go out and buy yellow marigolds and orange marigolds separately. And the pot marigolds, if you're growing them from seed, they come up random in that full spectrum right there. Um, but the pot marigolds are perennials and they'll reseed every year. Um, my last go-to is roses. Uh, you can hardly kill those two. Um, not quite as many benefits as far as medicinal purposes, but they are awesome in vitamins and minerals. Uh, for medicinal purposes, though, uh, they do work good for uh, pretty much like um, rashes, weeping rashes especially. Uh, so um, uh, poison ivy, uh, poison oak, uh, also burn relief. They work good for that. But like I said, the other nice thing about roses are they are super nutritious. And at the end of the year, right around the first frost, their fruit is like candy. In fact, the, in the early years that it was used to make candy, they were so sweet. Uh, so Lenore asked how we feel about Shepherd's Purse, which to my understanding here is mostly like kale. Um, um, kale, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, things like that are technically I, considered yeah. the shepherd's purse. I've never used it. Uh, let me, I'm trying, I know I've read about it at least once. Uh, shepherd's purse, medicinal uses, um, internally, externally, uh, soothes internal wounds from stomach ulcers. Hmm. Yeah, and it also heals skin. Huh. Used for cleaning wounds. Uh, we'll say it prevents uh, septic infections. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you can pick it up that well on the camera. Yeah. I kind of see it. Yep. Um, also, my go-to as far as medicinal information, I have two very good books for it that I've talked about before on the air. Herbal Healing. Um, yep. That one, that one's, as you can see, gets uh, indexed quite often. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have one that's sort of more specific to the area, Midwest Medicinal Plants. I mean, most medicinal plants, you can just go out and forage for them. I mean, they're counted as, they're considered weeds by most people. Um, and these are just, these are just the five that are easy to grow that you see people actually growing. I mean, I'm not counting like spruce and pine and shit. There's, there's so many different wild plantain. I mean, plantain grows up everywhere. I mean, that, that's why I don't ever put any kind of poison on my yard is because half the shit grows up in the middle of nowhere in the middle of my yard. So, You know, I saw a video earlier this week, not really an herb um, for medicinal purposes, but I figured it'd be something you might want to try. Um, apparently, so it started out as like a stupid TikTok video that somebody was trying to verify if it was true or not. 
And this lady said that you can essentially make a soda by putting pine needles, sugar, and water into a into a glass container, you know, like the pop-top cork ones. You know what I'm talking about? The glass bottles? Wait, wait. The built-in corks pine, on a glass. Pine, sugar, and water. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you stuff them into uh you stuff them into one of those bottles that has like the built-in corks, right? Yep. And it's supposed to apparently make it fizzy and taste like soda. Didn't believe it. And this guy that apparently goes through and tests all these different things, he does a lot with like old western stuff, um, said he was gonna try it and he didn't think it was true. Like he's pretty sure she just put sprite in a container and put pine needles in it. So he went out and got long pine fur, washed it, trimmed it, put it in there. Put some sugar, or put a bunch of sugar in it. Put some water in it, and let it sit for five days. And and when he opened it, it it was actually like self um, carbonated. And he said that it did kind of taste like soda, but more so like gin because I mean, of the pine needles. Pretty much what you're doing is you're fermenting. That's yeah. I mean, that's, um, and that's pretty. You're just making. I mean, it probably didn't have time to develop like an alcohol or at least enough of an alcohol content to make it noticeable at all. But you're pretty much just, because I guess I'm, I guess I have never really thought about whether the pine needles are going to have a yeast, whether pine has a yeast in it. Pine might not have a yeast in it, um, but it might be a reaction with something like, I don't maybe it has a natural yeast in it, just not enough to make it an alcohol or an alcohol, but enough to react with the sugar to add carbonation. Well, or I maybe mean, if even, it does that, it would be enough to because you can even you can make wine out of most anything. It's just you, you can, or maybe the nitrogen that's in the needles is where the carbonation comes from. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try it just to see. Yeah, what's the worst that happens? It's disgusting, and I dump it out. I mean. Yeah. I already drink. I already drink pine needle tea when I go camping. That's how I wake up in the morning. I throw my throw my pot on the fire and boil some water and throw some pine needles in it. I mean, pine needles are a way of sustaining life if you really have to because they're full of nutrition too. So much. There's so much vitamins in them. Yeah. Yep. So many vitamins in them. I mean, people all day are walking. I've said it before. You know, you can. You could drop me into most places, you know, grid down scenario, not the desert. And I'm sure that I can find a plant that's edible and has some kind of nutritional value to it. I mean. Yep. Well, what's he getting? I, I love this book right here, too. Edible, edible. Wild Plants. Yep. I mean, I mean, I've showed I, this. I've, I've showed this one on on the show before, and I live by this book. I still, I still think everybody needs to get it. How to stay alive in the woods? Because this one will give you, based on region, what you can eat and what you can't eat, and what medicinal properties everything holds. I mean, I I walk around the city all day, delivering packages, and. In one block, I can, I could probably pick enough food that would give me enough salad. Just not that they're going to be healthy because of the location, but just out of the cracks, out of the sidewalk, I could probably pick enough food to 
make a salad for me that's going to give me at least enough nutrients to get me through the day. I mean, it, it's not that hard once you know what you're looking for and what you can eat and what has actual nutrients in it. But, anyway, <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, we got any questions? Does Lenore have anything else? Uh, she's just, we're having a conversation about how she hates, um, it sometimes frustrates me when Americans come up with TikTok trends that are super common here. She was talking about, we were talking about pine needles and she pointed out that the Soviets used to do, or used to do a lot with pine teas and stuff like that. And I said, yeah, a lot of poor countries did because it was a good source of nutrients. Oh yeah. Like, it wasn't filling, but. Especially in colder climates, like where she's from and stuff. Yeah. I mean. Pine. pine trees statistically grow on almost every plant or every continent. Yeah. And pine trees are always bearing pine needles. It yep. isn't like it isn't like here where, you know, like maple trees and oak trees and all these trees lose their leaves in the fall. Pine trees have their have their needles, which are their leaves year round. So. Yep. Anyways, I don't have anything else. So unless we don't have nothing. any, unless we have any questions in in the chat, I guess uh, follow us on uh, <laughs> social media and uh, you know subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice, which I highly recommend. Uh, Fountain FM. Uh, you can get the the new app, or they just released a new version of the app. Um, you can go to their website, fountain.fm, and that will give you a link for the Google Play Store and also uh, the Apple App Store um, to get the app for free. It does that. The app doesn't doesn't cost you any money. They do have like a premium program, which I think is like two ninety nine a month or something like that. And I'm not entirely sure what it. I think the only difference that I've seen is it can give you like a whole transcript of a podcast. Oh, Lenore said she has a question. Sure. I'm waiting for her to type oh, it out. Okay. Um, we did have uh, somebody ask when the, those three dudes camping trip was. I said never again. Um, John doesn't wear pants and always wants to conserve body heat. Like, dude, it's 85 degrees out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good question, Lenore. What's your favorite remedy for a sinus infection? My favorite remi- remedy for sinus infection, if you can hear me, is um, cocaine. <laughs> um, is honestly, um, I for sinuses usually I'll try to like, like I said before, peppermint oil. Yep. Peppermint oil, uh, inhaling that, not the oil directly, but pep- inhaling that to sort of help clear my sinuses. Um, and then, like, I'll usually, to help deal with the drainage going down the back of my throat and stuff, which is going to make your throat raw, I'll usually use, like, a spruce or a pine tincture. Um, and I can't remember. I have it listed on the bottle. But I want to say it's, like, uh, eight drops every, every few hours. I'll put that down there whenever I need it and stuff. As long as I'm not driving, since it's all I do everything with an alcohol base. So, um, yep. But 
And then av- other than that, also um, isn't isn't so much uh, uh, herbal, but after I've after I've gone through with the peppermint oil, what I'll also do is I will make like a warm saline solution, and um, I don't know whether they have have it there where she. Uh, is, she asked, uh, "Do you do you put it directly in your throat?" Which the tincture? Your, your tincture. I I I'll hold my head back and drop it down. I mean, as close to direct as I can. I mean, I mean, a tincture. All all a tincture is is for the most part, it's a it's an extract, and you're extracting the essentials out of the pine needles. In this case, is what I'm what I'm extracting out of is the pine needles or the spruce needles. Same thing, sort of. Two different trees, but they have close to the same effect. Um. But yeah, like I'll just I'll have my head tipped back, and I have I have like a medicine dropper. And I'll just drop them directly down, down the back of my throat. So, um, and then, other than that, uh, I'll use a sa- warm saline solution and uh, blow it through, through one nostril at a time. So, neti pots are amazing yep. for. Yep, neti pot. I don't know if they have neti pots where she is, but I'm sure. Oh that's yeah, a normal. Sure, yeah, I guess that isn't an actual brand name. It's <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm sure that's a normal thing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for my job, uh, I get so much road road gunk and uh, exhaust fumes and stuff that sometimes I'll once a week go through with a neti pot and clear out my sinuses. Oh, dude, I used to have to do that after after oh, every fire. major fire. Yeah, like it was like. You get out, like even just going up to it, or the smoke shifts, and you breathe. You get that crap, like you inhale it, dude. There'd be weeks, or like times for weeks after, I'm blowing black shit out of my sinuses from just sucking that crap in. Usually, it was car fires or uh, uh, dumpster fires, things like that. Yeah. Well, anything that because it's all toxic. It's yeah. All toxic coming out of out of all those fires. Yeah, and I mean, you had to do that regularly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've had far less sinus infections in the year that I've been off the fire department than I have in my entire life. Um, and here I am talking about trying to get back into it, but <laughs> <laughs> you got the bug. <laughs> I know, man. I miss it, but that's all right. It's a topic for another night. Yeah. When when I was uh, going to school for auto body repair and stuff, it was recommended that that we use a neti pot at least once a week. After being in like a paint shop and stuff, just because of the fact, because body shops are so dry, there's so much dust floating around from from sanding and everything else, causes sinus infections, dries out the sinuses and everything. So Lenore asked, "How much peppermint oil do you use? I use saline solution, but I think no. I used too much peppermint oil when I tried inhaling it, and I've been scared to try it ever since." I all I I don't even touch the oil when I when I'm doing the inhaling and it's not that i'm adding the oil into anything all i'm doing is i'm opening the the bottle that i yeah it's like using vicks like menthol and and just wafting it wafting well i honestly won't waft it i'll just sit the bottle directly under my nostril and i'll just usually it's like three or four uh deep breaths 
The other thing you can do um, is you can take that peppermint oil and mix it, um, mix a whole bottle of it with Vaseline and rub that. And you'll have to scrub your shower when you're done because it will stick to it. Um, but rub it on the inside of your shower and turn the water on as hot as you can get it yeah. and just sit there and then just breathe it in. Cause the humidity is going to help clear or clear you up. Um, and the peppermint oil is going to release when, when the steam hits it and you're basically going to turn your, your, um, your bathroom or your shower into one giant Vicks vapor rub steam, steam room. Be careful though with, with that also, because if you have too high of a concentrate of the oil, you're going to want to use, have like glove or something on your hand when yeah. you're spreading it because it, peppermint oil will burn you. Yes, it will. Um, you can, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember what the dilution is on it. Honestly, Lenore, like that is phenomenal for clearing your sinuses though. She said her grandmother used to do this thing where she did peppermint oil and boiling water and breathing yeah. or breathing into steam never again. Um, that is honestly though, like a really good way to clear those sinuses out. Your eyes burn, your face burns, your nose burns, but you can breathe when you're done. Yep. Yeah. Or you could do like I did that one time when I had a sinus infection at Seaburn and walked into the uh, or walked into the um, the tear gas uh, the CS gas chamber and came out and I could breathe perfectly. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I couldn't see. I felt like Cap I wanted Saison to die, to but that. I could breathe. <laughs> Capsaicin and the the cayenne pepper will do the same thing when you <laughs> when you have enough. Uh, God, Seaburn, Seaburn will clear out any fucking uh, any sinus infection that you've got, man. It'll just you're gonna have you go you're gonna have fucking snot you didn't know you had in there. <laughs> that fucking Lego you crammed up your nose when you were six years old is gonna fucking come just dumping right out. <laughs> just come dumping right out. Yep, you're gonna be like, where the hell does all this? Where the hell? I must not have any fluid around my brain anymore at this point. <laughs> yep. God, man. Um, oh, that was miserable. <laughs> does she have anything else for us? Um, it doesn't look like it. Her last comment was, "It hurt so much." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can what her what her grandmother would would do that would work. Um. You can you could actually like I said I can't remember what the actual dilution is I know you can look it up but it's like one drop of peppermint oil to usually olive oil mm-hmm. um, and it's I I can't remember whether it was a, a one drop to two drops of uh, olive oil or slightly higher um, olive oil but you could. Put a little bit of that in your hand, mix it up, and put some across, like, the just wipe a streak of it across, like, uh, the bridge of your nose and stuff, mm-hmm. and um, that'll help for a longer-lasting effect, too. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, a lot of the products that we use uh, medically now, they're all derivatives of, of this stuff that we're talking about. Like, Vicks Vapor Rub is essentially peppermint oil. Oil. They just they just made it in a they just they they put it in a different vessel. Yeah, and and they so that way they could enough, produce it cheaper and added enough to patent it. 
Yep. And um, it, so all of the things that we that we use, um, topical ointments, analgesics, things like that, they're all just the exact same thing that we're talking about that they put that they put in a different carrier so they can market it and make money on it when you could grow all of this stuff on your own. I mean, you can make Neosporin if you have the correct the correct plants and herbs for it and a carrier. But anyways, I got nothing else. So uh, I've got nothing. Okay. So uh, until next week, this is uh, Luke. I'm Dave. I'm John. And keep your powder dry. Thank you, everyone. Good night, everyone.